the travel man's been asking for this since like mid, I don't know, February. Uh, and we're just now starting to deliver for him. So this one's for you, travel man. A boy who lives come tonight. No, no slander. No Harry Potter slander on this podcast. Pro Potter pod. Yeah, we don't want to lose our biggest follower in Travel Man. It would be funny to see if we could drive Travel Man away. Just take do like all the anti-Travel Man stuff, like rip everything he does on Twitter, and see if we could <laughs> see if we could get him. We get Paul Allen on. That's how we do it. Yeah, well, like I feel like Paul Allen just really understands the game, and I appreciate that he's not a homer. This is the Mini Market Podcast. Welcome back to the Mini Market Podcast. The whole crew here today for episode 62. Big week in Minnesota sports. We got the whole crew, Dalton, Lucas, Isaiah. Dalton, how you doing? Doing great. Happy to be back. It's been a minute, but we're back in this. Good to have everybody here. Took Easter off. Isaiah, how are you feeling after a week off? Uh, feeling refreshed. Feeling like I'm ready to take on the world. Feeling like it's good to have your Thursday nights open. Just wide open. I'm excited for that this week, especially. Lou, how, your Timberwolves. How are you feeling about them? Howl. We've been on a big time Timberwolves grind. Have not brought out the uh, D-Will jersey just yet, but I'll save that for maybe some Game 7 magic further down the road if we need it. Smart. Yeah, appreciate well, that. Before we get into uh, some Timberwolf stuff, we have decided to try to sneak in quick our NFL mock draft 2022. And now, Tellum Sports proudly presents the Mini Market Mock Draft. So similar to last year, the, the format of this draft will be, we'll each pick um, for a specific team. So the order will be myself, Ike, Lou, and Dalton. And then we'll not snake draft, but redraft in that same order until we get to the Vikings at number 12. And then we'll all select someone for the Vikings. So with that being said... The Jacksonville Jaguars are on the clock. Do, 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 do. That might not be the exact jingle. Um, for the Jacksonville that Jaguars. That jingle's electric, though. That's that like is. the best jingle in all of sports. Yeah. I mean, I'm not even like the hugest of draft guys, but that, that, that bangs. We just tune in and Dalt is front row at the draft this year. Who and Raj. Does the NBA have a jingle? Do they have a jingle for their draft? If you're getting picked by the wolves, I think it's wah, 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 wah. Just kidding. We're past kidding. that, baby. Yeah, Let's go. Long past. <laughs> I actually think, does the mini market need to make a draft trip one of these years? If we make a pact, if the wolves ever get back into the lottery, Lord, yeah, good luck. The MLB Kill draft. Do we, do we make it? have to be? Right? Do we bring our kids to the next time the wolves are in the lottery and... Uh, Boo whoever they pick, like the Knicks did with Porzingis. That was that looked fun. I gotta say that looked fun. Mm-hmm. I think I'm in on that. All right. I love the, the idea draft. of booing someone when their dream comes true, just mercilessly <laughs> ruining that moment for them. Yeah. <laughs> You're not welcome. Need draft the, they need to boo more. Just in general, in life. Mm-hmm. I think Baker Mayfield talked about it. He just wants to boo a little bit more. Boo average things. Boo me. Okay. I'll take some boos. I deserve a couple. That's, the, that's my least favorite take from a pro athlete is like, how would you like it if I came to your office and booed you while you were doing your job? 
okay, how about you pay me $10 million a year? You can come boomy. You can say whatever you yeah, want I'm, to me. It's not part of, Ooh, it's not part of the job though? description. Anything. You Ooh. can say anything you want to me. Okay. Price is out there, folks. Butt liquor. It's, <laughs> it's the worst mil. take. It's so, it, there's zero self awareness from anyone who says that. On the opposite side of that take, not to disagree with you, but one of the all time commercials ever, and I know Lou is going to love this one, is the Peyton Manning commercial where he's like cheering on, like, they're not saying boo, they're saying movers. And he's like, it's a high five. Movers. I'm not going to watch this hand. All time commercial for kind of a similar topic that Dalton's talking about there, where it's like just the idea of worshiping somebody doing just kind of a boring average job. Um, yeah, that's a great commercial all timer. That is a great one. hypothetically, if you were going to go to somebody's office to boo, because I think the fan perspective is I paid good money for this ticket. I get to boo you. If you don't perform Baker Mayfield, I paid, I bought a Jersey. I paid whatever to get into this building. I had to pay the, the taxes and the fees. Nobody knows, nobody knows what the fees are, but I had to pay them. I'm paying $9 for a fees, pink yeah. hot dog. Not even pink, like a white hot dog. And, you know, five fifty for a fountain drink, right? How much would Baker Mayfield pay to come boo me at my job is the question I would, I would twist to him. Would you pay $85, Baker, to get into the building to boo me? Because... My price is a lot yeah. lower than Dalt's. I don't need the 10 mil. I just need whatever we get on tickets and hot dog sales. I will, I'll supply the hot dogs. There will be Fritos. You can bet your ass on that. Come to my desk. Come to my cube, Baker. I'm on the 22nd floor. You can boo me, baby. You just got to pay to get in. Those dogs boiled or grilled? Boiled. Because that's what I have to deal <laughs> with. Yeah. Yeah, Baker. Grass ain't, it ain't and greener on the other side, pal. The- but, and you have to buy a jersey. You have to buy my jersey. So there it is. Which, which is a, a schmedium polo or what? Yeah. <laughs> also costs extra because you have to make it custom. Can't get it anywhere. Can't get it. And you know what? I'm going to make him pay for the fully embroidered one. We're not doing screen print. We're not doing sub- sublimation. I'm making him pay the big bucks. Embroidered. Quality. Exactly, Connor. Exactly. And you can't get it from Alibaba or whatever that site uh-uh. is overseas. Uh-uh. Nope, that's unethical. You get it from Baker. The team store. Unethical. I think Jackson will run out of time. So second pick. <laughs> Leapfrog. Anyways, um, the pick is in. Uh, so with the first pick in the 2022 draft, the Jacksonville Jaguars select Aiden Hutchinson. If for no other reason, go Tigers. Go Tigers. What? Hutch Tigers. Um, uh, so backstory here, fellas. I'm actually from Hutchinson. This is going to help you connect some dots here. Yep. Yeah, no. I was super confused. I was like, I'm pretty sure I watched enough college football this year to know he did not go to LSU. Correct. All right. Um, great pick, Connor. What? A- any was, thoughts about it? We're not going to talk about it. We're just going to... Who's next? Me. He, he's been the favorite for a long time, but he just got leapfrogged in the, in the books. Now he's uh, no longer yeah. the favorite for number one, which is kind of yeah. crazy. Because I think the guy it's, who is the favorite, poor Aiden Hutchinson, like, didn't play that well this year. He's like a, a combine freak type of dude. But don't... this is yeah the weird thing about this is what the combine does. It it gets these guys just pure physical attributes, and it just like takes away from their actual football skill on a field during competition, which is just wild to me. It's sometimes it's kind of fun, and I get. I think we've all kind of made our positions known that we're not huge draft guys. But it's kind of fun when the draft doesn't have like a clear number one overall. Like it's like, oh, if I do want to, if I want to tune in yeah. for like eleven picks or whatever, um, just all eleven. Of a I don't really know. Just who's eleven. Going. Just eleven. Um, anyways, with the second pick, Isaiah has the Lions are on the clock. Man, this is a tough one. This is a tough one because I want to go a lot of different directions. Uh, if I'm the Lions. But ah, okay. So if you're the Lions, what do you need? You got Jared Goff back there, and if we know anything about Jared Goff, is that he's a Pro Bowler. Uh, yeah, he's been in a Super Bowl. Um, 
What we know about Jared Goff is in the right scheme with the right protection, he can be elite. And for that reason, I'm going to take Ikem Ikonwu out of NC State. I got to be honest. I'm relieved you took him just so I don't have to try to butcher that name. Yeah, he's an offensive tackle. I think he's going to be really important. You know, you get Ragnow and this guy going, Lions might have something on the O-line there. Jared Goff dicing up defenses. I'd pay to see it. Love it. All right. I would love that as a Vikes fan. I mean, take something boring if you're the Lions. You know, don't swing big. All right, Lucas with the third pick for the Texans. Uh, yeah, Texans are also in need of uh, some help up front. So they are going to take Tyler Linderbaum out of the Big what? Ten, Iowa. He is the best center Isn't prospect. This the center? Center. They need someone <laughs> Isn't to run this the, the first offense round? up front. They need it. We're is going bold. Would this be the highest rated center? Highest, highest In taken the center of all time? college era. Highest, best center prospect they've ever seen in the PFF college era. He's worth it, baby. Wow. If he gets taken third, I might have to buy you a Houston Texans Tyler Lindbaum jersey. Jeez. This would be a great call. With the fourth pick, the Jets are on the clock, Dalton. Jets need a lot. Classic Jets need help basically <laughs> everywhere. Oh, man. I think if I'm the Jets... I'm swinging big. So I think you go with the now consensus or favorite number one pick, Trayvon Walker, the DN from Georgia. You say, you know what? Let's hope that all these physical attributes work out and we get ourselves a franchise-changing edge rusher on defense. So Trayvon Walker, DN, Georgia, going to the Jets. I like the pick, Dalton. I like the pick. All right, that brings us to number five, the Giants, their first pick in the uh, first round here. The Giants, I would say, need a little bit of everything. And I feel like the best position in this draft is like the end edge rusher. And I think there's a lot of guys that you can really not go wrong with. Um, And so that's why I'm going with Jeremiah Johnson, the second from Florida State. Here's a question for you. If you combined both New York teams, how many games does that team win? Do they make the playoffs? (laughs) Who's Who's the quarterback? Both coaches? That's offense, defense. Hmm. (laughs) It's funny to me that the first thing you went to was the coaches. I mean, the Jets are such a poorly run organization, though. So I was thinking coaches, front office was my next question. Got to dig into these things. If it's just I feel as though I'd start with the players. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if that team would actually be that good. I don't know. (laughs) That's insane to say because it's two NFL teams. Who beats? Yeah. Who wins more games in the NFL, Bama or? Or that team. Okay. We got to take it easy there. <laughs> I think Lou, you got to say Georgia this year, right? Georgia. Or, the Bulldogs. Oh, All right. Am I up? The sixth pick, Ike has the Panthers. Mm-hmm. All right. The Panthers. Um, one dumpster fire to another. Uh <laughs> You know, part of me, you know how this is like not a quarterback draft where everybody's like, there's no mm. like good quarterbacks and like they could fall really, really far. Um, does anybody else get the vibe that that's not going to happen because the Panthers are going to pick quarterback at six? I wouldn't does doubt anybody it. Else, am I alone mm-hmm. in that feeling that the Panthers are going to go just dumb with it and take a quarterback really early? You're um, not alone. Okay. Next Christian Ponder, I'm not going to do perhaps? it. I'm not going to do it because I I think myself as being better than them, smarter, nice, um, elite, Prettier. more elite, whatever. So I'm going to go with a guy whose name I really like, and that's Sauce Gardner. <laughs> I knew it. Yeah, Sauce. Sauce Gardner. Yeah, he. What I mean, he was everything you'd ever want this year from a cornerback. He was absolutely shut down, and uh, you know, 
it's a cornerback league, right? You got to have a good cornerback. You got to have a couple if everybody's going to be trying to throw the ball on you, especially considering where they play. A lot of good wide receivers uh, in their, what do you call it, division. So Sauce Gardner, just a big boy locking things down. Go Panthers. This would, this would be a super interesting pick because they, they picked JC Horn last year and he was really good in like six games before he got hurt. So they'd have just a two-headed monster for the next five years. They're two cornerbacks. And I like your heads at Isaiah. Important positions. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't be bad if he falls. Do you think he'd fall this far? It, there's a chance. There's a chance. Yeah, it would put them in a really interesting spot of like, do we just double down and go like super secondary and for, you know try to patch some other holes later? I can see like, him being here. Our offense is gonna suck, right? Like, if you're the Panthers, you're gonna. Our offense is gonna suck. Let's just have a good defense. See how far that can get us. Try like the what was it, 2019 Washington football team strategy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you know, like McCaffrey's has four games to be played next year. Not sure which four, but there are only going to be four games next year. So mm-hmm. don't mm-hmm. forget to pick them up in your fantasy league. <laughs> are they going to trade for Baker Mayfield? I know we're not doing trades for our thing, and we've already talked about Baker. Do we think Carolina would trade for Baker Mayfield? What would you trade for Baker Mayfield? Not much. Bag of rice, sixth rounder. I mean, if you're willing like to pay him, toss, Bradbury, toss in the later round pick. Garrett Bradbury. The best running back on QB competition. Team. Alrighty, so with the 7th pick, Lucas has the G-Men back up. Alright. The G-Men. Round 2. They're going to want a little help up front. Uh, big name yet to be taken is Evan Neal. Offensive tackle. Alabama. Tough to go wrong with a big boy from Alabama. They almost always pan out, feels like. Isn't that the truth? That would be my analytics, honestly. It just were, goes to Bama. Like if, yeah. I would just draft Bama guys. I wouldn't, it wouldn't even just be O-linemen. I would just exclusively draft Bama guys. Like if you came in and they were like, all right, man, you're running, you're running the show here in uh, New York. You're the Jets GM. What are you doing? I'd be like, hey, interview process. I'm just going to draft Bama guys. One word. Just cards on the Bama. table. Bama guys. Yeah. I Next heard, question. You know, leaks, and I'll trade yeah, for him too, but I won't do quarterbacks. I won't do it. I won't do quarterbacks. <sighs> Sir, you have the job. Sir, it's yours. All right. With the eighth pick in the 2022 NFL draft, Dalton selects for the Falcons. Falcons. I think they're going to try to replace... Calvin Ridley, who is out for the mm. year because of his gambling issue. So I think they're going to take a wide receiver. Let's go Drake mm. London. Maybe the best name in the draft. Wide receiver, USC. Drake. A big Drake boy. A nice target for Marcus Mariota. You know, build around the flying Hawaiian. Let's air it out. <laughs> Let's air it out. That brings us to the ninth pick. Um, Seattle. That's mine. Um, Seattle needs a little bit of everything, too. They're kind of in a weird spot. And Isaiah brought it up earlier. I think that this is kind of an outside shot, but don't look now. I'm going Kenny Pickett, quarterback Pittsburgh. Weird move. Mm-hmm. Right now, the depth start in uh, in Seattle, Drew Locke and Geno Smith. Like, I don't feel, I don't know about you, but unless this is NCAA 14, I don't feel great about Geno Smith. And Drew Locke is not exactly a lock at quarterback. Thank you very much. So I'm going to go with Kenny Pickett, Pittsburgh, the next MVP of the league. It's going to happen. Speaking of gambling, is there like, can you put in a future? Like, is there a, is there a prop bet for how many quarterbacks will be picked in the top 10? I bet there is. Because with a couple of these teams having a couple of picks, I feel like... The over might persuaded to take that one. I bet over under set at like 0.5. If you want to bump that up to like 1.5 and take the over, I bet you get some real good odds. All right. Pick number 10. Isaiah has the Jets again. J E T S. Jets, Jets, Jets. Uh, Okay. Jets, Jets, Jets. Um, 
there have not been a lot of safeties picked high in drafts, but there is a team we know will do it, and that is the J-E-T-S Jets, the goddamn <laughs> Jets. They're taking, yeah, you guessed it, Kyle Hamilton, safety out of Notre Dame. He's a he's a big guy. People always talk about like, is he a linebacker? He would have fit in with that Chargers team. Remember when they tried to run that like all safeties thing against the? Uh, it worked against um, Baltimore, and then they got destroyed by the Patriots. So I, if they just had Kyle Hamilton, maybe it would have worked. Yeah, I feel like um, maybe it's just because it's a, like a Notre Dame safety going high. But I'm like, oh, I kind of relate him to Harrison Smith. Cause I've heard a lot of stuff about him being like a hard hitter and like a pretty big guy. Well, Harrison's not a huge guy. He is a heavy hitter, I would say. And then the Notre Dame background and, and all that good stuff. So I'm kind of, that's, I got a hink. I got an inkling that maybe we got a, a, the next Harrison Smith on our hands right here. Yeah. Tip in my hand. I was going to take Hamilton. If he was available at 12, he was going to be my dude. Ooh. But this is this is like this is like full circle because this is the pick that the Jets got for trading away safety Jamal Adams to the Seahawks. Full circle, get their safety back. <laughs> they participate in the circular economy. <laughs> Alrighty, pick eleven. Lou has the ex racists. Now the Washington Commanders. Wait. Quick poll. What's a worse new name? Is it Guardians or Commanders? Not saying that their old names were good. Just what's a you worse... You just miss them and you wish they were still there. No, just what's a worse new corporate, like, boring name? Guardians or Commanders? Go. I vote Guardians. I think Guardians is less cool. I, I think I agree. I think I lean Guardians. I don't like either, but definitely, yeah, lean guardians as worse. I go commanders and I cannonball into the commander's pool because they're going to call them the commies. <laughs> I think that's, that's cool. Point. I think that's funny. I didn't think about that. That's horrible. I actually, Ooh. I like that angle. Ah, I think that makes it better. In the capital of this great nation, we're going to have the commies. Come on. Can be they cheering for the commies. Are, that's the irony, Dalton. <laughs> they're all that way. <laughs> All right, that was good. That was good. <laughs> All right, so Lou, with the commanders at pick 11, who are they going to steal and break the hearts of us Minnesota fans? Yeah, um, really hate to do this, but it's going to be Derek Stingley Jr., a cornerback out of LSU. Some are saying he's the number two ranked player by a couple sites, but um, really top corner in the class, it looks like, or at least one of behind South Gardner. <clears throat> so yeah, I would personally love to have him fall to number 12. Um, but it's probably not going to happen because he's going at 11. Wow. Good pick. That is, uh, again, to kind of do Dalton's move. That was my pick for them at 12. So devastated. This is really interesting how this played out. Yeah. (laughs) I'll say, I feel like there's too many good guys left at 12. (laughs) Can't go wrong. wrong. (laughs) We did something wrong here. (laughs) What did we we do? (laughs) Um, With that said, Dalton will be the first to pick for the Minnesota Vikings at number 12. So uh, I just needed to think aloud here. Kayvon, Thibodeau was not even on my radar Quack. here as an option. Quack. But I'm thinking I might have to quack it up. Quack. But that's not like uh, if you rank what the team needs, do they need a D end? And he's kind of, oh man, who knows? Yeah, I didn't think he was going to fall either. <sighs> Maybe a quarterback. Um, what? Man, <laughs> man, man. <laughs> All right. Uh, exiting the chat. You know what? I. I think we swing big. We go D end, quack, Kayvon Thibodeau here wow. at 12. The way this plays out, I think you have to take him because I think he's the best play. Like he, he could go top two, top three. You can get him at 12. It's not probably not what they had drawn up, but I think that's a Steel. great value and pair him with Daniil. I mean, that's, that's lethal. 
I like the pick, Dalt. I like the pick, man. He's a beast. He's a monster. He's a game changer. Think of how many game changers we'd have on the line. Like, get the purple people eaters back. That's what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Great pick. Find your identity and stick with it. We found our identity long ago and we lost it. We just got to find it, baby. Love, love, love that pick. Um, with that, um, we'll keep the draft going. Also picking for the Vikings. I will make the next selection here. Uh, I'm back and forth between two corners. I know I love to draft corners just like um, just like the Vikings do. I'm trying to decide between Trent McDuffie and Abram Gardner. Or um, excuse me, Ahmad Gardner. And I think I'm gonna go with Ahmad Gardner. Gardner already went. He that's sauce. Oh, sixth. oh, I'm sorry, I missed that. So looks that like you're going sense. with the other guy. I'm going with McDuffie. Trent. Trent McDuffie, Washington corner. I just feel as though it's a high position of need for the Vikes. Um, you can never have enough corners. And with Patrick Peterson, while well, he I feel as though he played okay last year. Just always a concern that someone at his age is going to get injured. So, Trey McDuff, E, welcome to the squad. Lucas, you like it? How do you feel? He's throwing up, folks. Sorry. He hates the pick. <laughs> He's devastated. Sorry, no, uh, <clears throat> believe it or not, he was had my eye on him as well. So, we'll just see if he uh, gets double picked here. Alrighty, with that said, Isaiah will be making the next pick for the Vikings. All right, all right, all right. Um, again, I'm kind of like Dalton, where this whole thing, I feel like we got through 12 picks quick. I, don't, I didn't expect to be where I'm at right now. But you pick what's there, and here's what I'm going to say. The Vikings ranked last in defending the run last year. We got torched all season long, and it was no fun. Nothing's more frustrating than being a fan and watching Kirk Cousins. I'm sorry, wait. Nothing's more frustrating than being Easy. a fan and watching your team get shredded on the ground. It is the most helpless feeling. You just, you just want to yell at the TV, like, get them, tackle them. But when they're bumbling and rumbling for three yards, four yards, five yards, six yards of carry and there's nothing your team can do about it, you're just getting gashed, it's a helpless feeling. And I'm here to help us all, folks. I'm taking Jordan Davis out of Georgia. We're plugging the middle, baby. We're stopping the run. Big rig. Yeah. He's a big boy. He can move. He can make plays. He's got some sneaky pass rushing ability. But I want this defensive line to be a force, and uh, he's a force. I like that pick. Thanks, I don't Connor. think you can go wrong going on the D-line. You know how I feel about the lines, both sides of the ball. Where, where's the game one, Connor? In the trenches, baby. In the Just trenches. Just like World War One. Just like World War One. Bingo. Hopefully less trench foot. Um, <laughs> Davis next, reminds Lucas. me of a baby of a baby Linval Joseph. I'll take that. Like a yeah. big belly. Trying to pull yeah. that jersey down over his belly all game by just tearing it up in there. But maybe Is like a like, little bit more athletic too, like which I like. Like he, I feel like he can move a little better than than he than Linval could. That's fair. But I like the comp, and if he starts mm -hmm. wearing funny glasses, I like it even more. <laughs> Bingo! Bingo! Um, finally, Lucas with uh, the last pick for the Vikings in the first round. Yeah, I uh, I thought I was gonna have to you know scrape up a cornerback from uh, whatever was left here but i think a big name was missed charles cross out of mississippi state tackle i think uh with the new system with koc i think it really needs to i mean we've all seen flashes of bad kirk and he is so much better when he has time in the pocket so i i just i don't think we can beef up the o line enough so <clears throat> He went from uh, cross went from 44 pressures on 574 blocking snaps in 2020 to only 16 pressures on 719 attempts in 2021. So the guy doesn't let much through. Welcome to the team, Charles Cross. 
So give Jackie. us how the O line plays out then next season. Like how who's at tackle, who's at guard? Because it seems like now we have. D- does Darisaw shift or who? How are is this guy a combo dude? I don't know this guy, so give it to me, Lou. You're the football mind. Uh, yeah. So honestly, I don't know a ton about him. He is. Uh, let me read off just his like stats him. Just here. love yeah. him. <laughs> just he's a lovable. Six face. five, three oh seven. So he's definitely a little bit big to be in the interior. I think Darisaw is maybe a little bit smaller than him. I could be wrong, but I wouldn't hate moving Darisaw in or even putting this guy over on the right side. Darisaw is the big same exact size. Same exact size. All so right. Just a big, just a big boy line. Let's be a big line. Yeah. We got a tall quarterback. Yeah, we don't have to worry about it. big guys. Well, um, definitely someone's got to play guard because uh pretty sure Bradbury's just about gone. So, and he was also and we're good. legally required to dress somebody and play him in that position right yeah, now. So, I guess. Ugh. We this uh, it's it'll be an interesting pick because when you look at Mox, like he's anywhere between like top almost top five to outside the top twenty. Like he. I don't know mm-hmm. what the consensus is on this guy, but it seems like if you can find a fit for him, he could he could be a pretty solid dude. Never end, Connor. Where do you win the wars? Trenches, sir. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, according to ESPN right now, the the depth chart for the Vikings has Darisaw left tackle, Cleveland at left guard, Bradbury at center, Jesse Davis at right guard, who, and Brian O'Neill at right tackle. So it seems to me that. Um, Jesse Davis would probably be the weak link there at right guard. And if we were to draft this guy, Ooh, one of put him, one of those tackles, start him out on the right guard, the guard side spot. and then just have a power right side for Dalvin to run behind old, old school. We're still rocking the full. Maybe we mate. dress him as a tight end and we just go six heavy. That, but then we let him get out in the flat, get out in space. Do we know any numbers on this guy? 40 time. Stiff arm rating on Madden. So what do that think? brings up brings up an interesting point, Connor. Interesting. A lot of buzz has been around the Vikings taking a third wide receiver uh, with this number twelve pick, but no one even hinted at it. Really, I like that. I like that, boys. Here's my reasoning. KJ had a little bit of a coming out party, and Hello? I think a lot of people are forgetting. Irv Smith Jr. is coming back. I checked. The injury report says he's very healthy. He's progressing nicely. He's ready for the preseason or certainly ready for the regular season. Um, And he's basically just a giant wide receiver. So I like our options at wide receiver and and tight end right now. Lou, can I counterpoint of why I guess we probably should have been looking more into a a wide receiver? Please do. Because I I do like what you're saying. I I think those are good good points, but I think we're overlooking uh, Adam Thielen and his sort of precipitous decline in health over the last few years. Like he's just not the same guy anymore. And the attention that is going to be put on Jefferson over the next, like we want to make that as minimal as possible. And I think that is the point of like why you want to go out and get a guy right now because Thielen when he's in there, awesome. Kirk loves him, but. Uh, we've been seeing less and less of them. So the more defenses can key in on Jefferson, the worse our offense will be. So I, I would like if that London dude that Dalton picked would drop, I would I would take him in a heartbeat. I just like a big dude there, like that. I heard he's a there beast are a couple too. Names like people that, like him. Um, yeah. Who's the guy from Bama? I keep what's his name? Williams. Williams. He's like the Jameson deep threat Williams, guy. That yeah. would be an interesting combo with JJ. Double deep threat. Yeah. Honestly, do you? Old, sorry, or I, a lot of yeah. go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, Chris Olave from Ohio State. He's hard, he's a hard one to judge because he's playing with like three top 10 picks or like yeah. he's playing with two yeah. other top 20 picks, let's say. So like that's a tougher one to judge for me. But I was going to say the other Ohio State guy. He's also, also yeah, there's some options. I feel like right? his, yeah, I feel like his skill set is like draft a guy that would replace the guy who's on the way out. And I feel like he's a Thielen-esque guy. Like they talk about, he's a good route runner. Like he gets separation. He's not super fast and he's not super big. I just feel like if that's already what he's good at and you get him working with Adam Thielen and like learning Mm. from all the things that he does, like that could be an insane, insane match. And like, I know he's not the biggest dude. And so he might get overlooked for that reason. And like, we can sneak in and get him if he's there and like develop him really well. That would be, that could be potentially a really cool fit. Cause then you got, Jefferson as the deep threat and him going over the middle and like just finding the little edges and then 
KJ running those middle routes. And you got Irv just being a big boy. And then obviously Charles Cross playing, getting in the flat. Yep. Um, one, thing that, one thing that I think is that if the Vikings are, if this draft actually played out, which would be insane. Um, <laughs> I think that if I'm the Vikings, I might trade back in that situation. I would not be shocked. I feel like that's also bit. an all-time Vikings move, and I'm sure Dalton's just gritting his teeth at that because seventh yeah, let's round trade back so we have the whole sixth and seventh round. <laughs> but but I feel as though if you can get like a, you know, if you can trade back to twenty and get like next year a. I don't know, a third round pick or something like that. I feel as though there's value in that. If we're, if we're feeling like we're kind of committed on a wide receiver, you know, like if certain guys are there, you got to pull the trigger, no doubt. But I feel as though they could just fall back and pick up one of these wide receivers we're talking about. If that's the position of need, they're looking to address. Mm -hmm. I've heard some things uh, that Quasi is really just going to go best available at this point. Cause there's no like, one dying need we absolutely have to have this position um so i honestly wouldn't hate that i would like to just see I, i'm very curious to see what he's gonna do because i just have i honestly have no idea i feel as though the best available is just like an nfl cop out it's you know what i mean like yeah. every team is just taking the best available we got our guy he was been on our yep, board got our guy yeah like how how oh! How good does the next guy have? Like, how much worse would the next guy be if he's the perfect fit? Like, would you take him over the best available if he's not the perfect fit? I just feel like you don't do that. I yeah. Don't know. Dalton, I got a question for you. Um, Where do you get off? So you're the, you're the analytics guy of the podcast. Uh, if anybody needs a refresher, Dalton, Yale. So math. Economics, economics, right? You get deep Bingo. in those data sets. So we got deep. our, yeah, deep, knee deep. Um, so you're the analytics guy and you hated Spielman. I was trading back, com compiling draft picks. Didn't yep. love it, right? Anti that. Is that not the analytic approach to the NFL draft? Is that you just, it's a crapshoot and you get as many picks as you can because nobody actually knows what the, they're talking about. And uh, essentially you can just, take a shot at anywhere and it's better have more bullets more bullets in the chamber yeah i think i think you're right on my my issues weren't necessarily with the trading back on its face my issues were the with the way that they did trade back where they would move from like the third or fourth round to like eventually get like four sixth and seventh round picks and i think the the fall off the talent fall off is so great that rather than like one player in the third round who maybe has a 30% chance of hitting they're getting like four sixth and seventh round picks who maybe only have like a 5% chance of actually hitting and i just think like over time that disparity like it doesn't pay off like yeah you might get like three special teams guys versus like one fringe starter or something but i i think the value in those mid rounds is significantly greater than the sixth and seventh round picks. So would, do, are you more incentivized to then trade back a higher round pick for a mid round as a, as opposed to the mid round for late rounds? Let's, I think so. Like I, I think trading back from like the late first to the early second to then pick up like a second rounder, third rounder and like this draft or next draft. Like I think those moves are really good because you can still get really quality guys. But I think like third and fourth round, you have a chance where you might actually get like a starting player. Like odds are it'll probably be a backup or like maybe a guy you cut after like a season or two. But like if you hit on that third rounder, like they'll probably be a multi-year starter. If you hit on a sixth rounder, that guy's probably like a special teamer who like plays in emergency situations for four years. So like, I, I think just like the hit rate and then like what a hit actually means in the mid rounds versus late rounds. That's why I had issues with sort of those trading back to like, Oh, well we got all these picks in sixth and seventh rounders. Like, yeah, maybe a couple of them stick around, but the impact is a lot lower. So I'd be all for like a, a trade back. Yeah. Like Connor mentioned, like trade back to the twenties, pick up a second or third rounder, but just don't please, please, please don't end up with like, well, look, we have 18 draft picks and 12 of them were the rounds five and later. <laughs> Well said. Good. Well said. Good point. Good point. 
Well, that should do it for uh, for the NFL mock draft talk. Looking forward to the draft here getting started this week. We will transition to Can I- the Timberwolves. Oh, hold on a minute. This is a great transition. It's a perfect question for this transition. Are you guys going to watch the draft instead of playoff basketball? No. Dalton? No, I'll have I'll have it on my phone. The draft is something you can check on your phone, and then afterwards mm-hmm. you can look up highlights of the guy that is picked. Beautiful, Lucas. I like the draft. I like to watch the first round, so I think is. I'm going with the draft. Ugh. And then I'll check in That's the Timberwolves. It's something I can check. The it score. doesn't. No, I'm not even saying it's if it's the Timberwolves. Like any, I would watch any anything. Well, we any know you're back. a. Yeah, you're anti-draft. You're an anti-draft. I just had to ask. I just had to ask. I like draft sometimes. Okay. Okay. I will watch until the 12th pick, and then I will be done. It's typically what I do. It's fun to watch with people. I I enjoy that. It is more fun. Sitting alone, it's maybe a little less fun. I think Dalt hit on the head where, like, the draft is the perfect follow-on-your-phone event. Because, honestly, you get the pick three minutes before, before, actually. Yeah. So it's like, oh, perfect. I'll just check Twitter and then watch some intense... NBA hoops playoff time, baby. Okay. I want to actually start this with a tweet that I saw and I'm not quoting, but it basically said that like this year, the playoffs are less exciting because LeBron James is not in them. And with that, I'm just going to open the floor for Isaiah and Dalton and Lucas and myself. How do we feel about that? What do we think about that? I'm going to throw it to Ike. Uh, I think that's really stupid, to be honest. I mean, I think that's probably going to be... I'm not want to speak for everybody, but that's just stupid. That's just like people who can't accept that there's like new good things happening in the sport that you watch. Like the person saying that will be the guy in 15 years who's like like super lame talking about like, oh, back in my day, like this was this. This is what basketball looked like in the mid 2000s. Like that's when they really played hoops before all this three point bullshit. That's when the game was pure. Um, it's just like there's just so many like there's just fun young guys emerging in the NBA and like like look at that Boston series like I don't like Boston but just seeing them click and like the defense that they're playing and Jason Tatum being like just finally like stepping up and like assuming this new role and like sort of the the passing of the baton in a sense where like he beats KD he shuts KD down like yeah, there's new guys. He's 24. Like we've got this awesome series with Ant and Ja going back and forth. Like, I don't know. And then like the Pelicans, like you got Ingram stepping up finally. You've got, I don't. You just have really fun basketball happening all over the NBA. And I know there's been some like duds of series like that. The Boston series was kind of a dud. Um, the Hawks have been disappointing, but overall, I think if if you are like only watching for one guy, you're not a fan of the sport. You're just a fan of that guy. And that, that's kind of lame to me. Dalt? And I like LeBron. That's my life. I like LeBron. I, so I'm not like an anti-LeBron guy. I think the playoffs would be more exciting if LeBron was in it. Just because like his, the storyline of like the LeBron quest for the rings to match Jordan, I think adds value to the playoffs. I think what would worsen it would be then 80% of playoff coverage would be dedicated to LeBron and his quest for a ring. So overall, I think the playoffs are net better because LeBron is out and we don't have to listen to coverage of a Lakers series and a terrible Lakers team. But I I enjoy the LeBron storylines. So I think it would be more exciting, but less enjoyable, if that makes sense. Lou, any take on this one? Uh, I tend to concur with Ike. I think um, I'm a pretty big fan of it's kind of the changing of the guard, if you will. And we're actually kind of getting to witness it. Um, like, I don't really recall seeing it with the, the older generation, like down to LeBron or like, or Kobe or whoever. Um, One thing I think we're discounting is how good playoff LeBron is and how fun playoff LeBron is to watch. Just like give the ball to LeBron again. for 36 minutes a game and Zero watch him score or assist on every possession of the game. Like I, I, it's all, it always amazes me to watch like how 
he's just incredible every game. Doesn't really have an off game in the playoffs, but I, I, I take your points. There's a stress for me watching LeBron. Sorry, Connor. There's just like a, cause I want, I want him to get there because like, I just, I'm like, I just need him to match in ring. So then that's not the conversation the, anymore. Like, like the so then we argument, can actually, right. you're right. Like, and so I, I desperately do want him to win more, but like, it's so, str- it's like, I don't know, because you just have to fight all those battles all the time of everybody being like LeBron, LeBron sucks. Like, and you're like, just like, enjoy it. Like what Dalton said, like, just watch a guy go off and enjoy it. Yeah. I, I read this tweet and I was like, kind of pissed because like, I feel as though, and I'm not the number one, you know, NBA fan by any means, but I feel as though like this year's playoff just has so much to offer in terms of like, I don't think there's like a consensus team that's going to like come out and be the group, you know, like if you look at the West right now, the one and the two are both in two, two series, I believe, unless the Suns played earlier today and I missed that. They play tonight. Like to me, what's that? They play like later tonight. Yeah. So like to me, that's like super exciting. I think there's just like for the first time in a long time, there's like parody in the NBA again, which I felt like we had in the nineties and we have in like, even the NFL with the Patriots, there was still like parody before the pay, like who who was going to face the Patriots a little bit. The NHL has really good parody. The MLB seems to have good parody. The NBA was like the one league that it was just like, oh, this is chalk. This is 2001 women's NCAA tournament, like four, four one seeds to the final. And then we just see who dukes it out after that. And so to me, that's the exciting piece is like, I don't know who's going to win. And maybe partially because the pups are in it too, but I was just like, Oh, that's the most like coastal elitist thing of all time. And that's like, felt like that's why we like made this pod in a lot of podcasts. And a lot of reasons is for comments like that. But I do, I do receive your points Dalton. Like he's one of the greatest playoff play, players ever, but with as bad of a season as they had this year and with him being injured, like there's just no way, there's no way they could have gone to the finals with like this terrible roster. So I'm just like, this is a dumbest take ever. That's my two cents. Really wanted to get into that. Um, with that being said, Timberwolves 2-2. Game's going on right now. We're uh, recording on Tuesday night. It's fourth quarter. Dicey. Boy, how we it's feeling? It's getting dicey. Feeling? Speak of stress, man. The Wolves, uh, they're a frustrating team because they go into these modes where they just like... They just force it. They just stop. They yep. just stop their offense. Like they just, and that was like a real trouble early on with this team. Like when things got bad, it, it just turned into crazy ISO ball. And that has been magnified. I think that was the big problem when we got the you know, game. What was that game three when we were up huge and then lost, you know, that's the, the ultimate collapse game. Um, and it's happening right now. And it's, just, it's tough because when you have weapons and you, have multiple guys that can score you. That's why you move the ball. Like that's why the warriors thing works because they're always moving the ball. You never know exactly who's getting the shot or exactly where it's coming from with the wolves. When they get in trouble, you know what it's whoever's at the top of the key with the ball, they're taking a bad shot. Otherwise, Anthony Edwards has been sweet. The whole, the whole series. Mm-hmm. Well, that's exactly what you're talking about. Ike right there. Ant Mitch of the deep three. Um, yeah, I, I could not agree more. I think one thing that I wanted to get into a little bit was Dalton. You kind of had a take. I don't know if it was game three or game four that your your feelings may be shifting with Cat a little bit. Do you want to expand on that at all? Have you regressed back to the median or where yet? Yeah, this was after game three. Very I think emotional. I said I was, I was 80% of the way to actually believing the Timberwolves needed to trade Carl Anthony Towns. That was that was you caught me on an emotional roller coaster at that Raw. point. Um, I think I've I've sort of come back to the mean a little bit, uh, but I think this series has really shown us the best and the worst of Carl Anthony Towns. And I, I think at this point we kind of know what he is. Um, he's in his seventh season. His highs are really high. His lows can be really low, and I think the frustrating part of his lows are is how demonstrative he is with his lows and how you can just see it on his face, in his body language, when he's struggling, he, it's not the typical, like, okay, I'm going to push through this. It's almost like, oh, woe is me. Like, I'm, I'm sad. I'm fouling. And then it's the lack of accountability where after the game, he's like, you know, he came three, shoots three, 
kicks his leg out, gets called for an offensive foul. And he says, that's how I've always shot. I've won a three point contest shooting like that. And it's like, dude, look at the, we have you on your, you know, these games are being recorded, right? Like we can look at your foot and see it's a completely unnatural move. Like I hope for town's sake, he never gets sued and has to like go to court for like a, a bank robbery or something. Like they'll be like, Oh, here's the footage of you looking into the camera before you robbed this teller. And he's like, Oh, that's not me. Dude, we have the footage. We know you, you broke the rules. You can't do that. Everyone saw it. We all agree. You can't do that. Like just own up to it and be like, Oh yeah. You know, I, it was in the moment I was trying to draw foul, whatever, just, just own up to it. But those are the lows. The highs are highs. I mean, he was the best player on the court when, when, when cats being cat. So yeah, it's, it's frustrating. I think he could carry a team to a deep playoff run. It's just, can we sort of bring those lows just up a little bit? Yeah, I know. And with everything that he's gone through, do you feel more impressed by him after that game? And it's just like, he's now twice in the span of two weeks had two really good responses to two bad games where he's been like nationally bashed aggressively, like people calling out his character, like his worth, everything. And both times, so I'm talking about the play-in game and I'm talking about game three. Both times he's stepped up uh, and played really well in his next opportunity. So he played really well in game one of this series against Memphis and he played really well in game four and he's playing well now in game five. Um, Does that make you feel better about him? Uh, better about like, is he learning from this playoff experience or do you think push comes to shove? He'll just be the same guy of inconsistent again in the future. Uh, I think it's like him showing he's taking at least the right step or like one step forward because it would be so easy for him to just like blow it off and be like, yeah, whatever the season's over. Everyone's talking shit about me. I don't care. Um, So, I mean, he does it it's proving he does care. Like he's not just giving up when it, like I agree a hundred percent with Dalton and like his like pouty phases. Like it just feels like he doesn't care anymore. Like when he fouled out at the end of that, um, at the end of the playing game, he was at the very end of the bench. He, every time they pan over to him, he's not clapping. He's not cheering his team on in a very like tight game, like a, like a big time spot. Um, so at that point, I was like, man, he really hates it here right now. But to see him bounce back, I think, is is definitely a good sign. Are you guys sure you want to say you feel like he doesn't care? Is that am I am I reading into that? I just like, said the opposite. During those You moments, just said it sounds like he doesn't care. It looks like, I mean, like at the end you, of the playing game, I was like, he wants out. He does not want to be on that court right now. Like, but I, that's why I said him bouncing back shows he does still care. But okay. I but personally it, just really hate when he gets all his mopey phases. Okay. He doesn't get super mopey on the court. Like when he when he's in the game, he's not mopey. I feel like that's the opposite of what he's doing. Because he's doing this I whole think, like arms up, arms down, like screaming his little high pitched voice. Like <laughs> Yeah. It's, that's caring it's too much in a way. <laughs> Cat on the court is whiny. Not not like Moni. He just like complains. Yeah. And that's kind of like annoying, but it just kind of is the NBA right now. So it is what it is. But I feel as though like one thing that's frustrated me is like these double teams. I don't know if I'm like just reading into this too much, but I feel like he'll get, you know, he'll go on an ISO because that feels like what our offense does a lot of times. And then he'll get double teamed and he just has no idea what's going on. Like to me, there's, there's a few things that just seem like some immaturities with, with how he plays. And that's one of them where it's like, you got to find the open, like not even the open guy, just the closest guy, you know, like it just seems like there's a few things that he's got to work on. And it's probably just part of developing your game and like it's playoffs and you know, all this stuff. But yeah, I feel like the playoffs have kind of exposed some of cats potential weaknesses and hopefully that's good for his long-term gain. Um, I, yeah, I agree. And so let's, Kat's gotten a lot of the like everything from this series. Like a lot of the conversation has been around Carl Anthony Towns. And I feel like he's answered the bell, like you said. Like we've all kind of said, like he's answered the bell. I feel like if you're D'Angelo Russell, you should be buying Carl Anthony Towns a Rolex every single night because he, like the Towns storyline, good or bad, every game has totally overshadowed, overshadowed the fact that D'Angelo Russell. A uh, second Mac player on this team has done nothing in this series. He's been absolutely brutal, like so bad that we had to. And that, like McLaughlin's played well, 
at the end of the season and he's been important. I, th- I thought he was going to play more early on in the series, but like he, D'Angelo Russell has been so bad that we had to go to our third point guard. And this is a guy who's supposed to be able to carry your team. And like, he's supposed to be the cool under pressure ice in his veins guy. And he's really, really struggled this series. And uh, mm-hmm. I Dalton, you said it tonight. You're like, I hope, I hope this would be the D game. And like, I I've been telling myself that this whole time, like, all right, we're, we're like almost up one mentally because there's going to be a D-low game and we'll just win that game. And like, what if it never comes? And what if he just has a totally brutal series start to finish? Yeah, he's the second max guy on the team and he's been, what, the fourth best player on the Wolves? I mean, Cat, Ant, Bev. I mean, I mean, it, it's it's just like you're waiting for him to show up, waiting for him to hit shots. And he's just, he's just not assertive. He's, I mean, he, to defend him, the Grizzlies have been putting their best perimeter defenders on him because he torched them during the regular season. He was averaged like 31 points per game in the Memphis matchup. So they've been keying on D'Lo, but at the same time, they've been doubling cat. Like, like, you know, mm-hmm. you, you really you do everything, right? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you are a max player D'Lo. Like, come, come on, man. Yeah. Um, other other thoughts on this first i'll just say very often do you get to experience and truly like feel and say you know what a pro athlete is going through uh and i get to do that right now with anthony edwards he's had some knee issues everybody's saying it's like patellar tendonitis and i have had that a lot (laughs) in my life uh if anybody's ever seen my knees they are fucked uh looking <laughs> i have oshkid schlatter's out the wazoo it's bigger than my own kneecap uh and because of that i have a pretty bad uh patellar tendonitis and i've been running a lot lately so it's flaring up big time i'll tell you what man what he's doing with that if you've never had it or if you've had it it is a son of a bitch and so to see anthony edwards playing this well through that is like you just it just makes me love him even more he's been insane Fucking John Morant hits his first shot of the series. We're all kind of cross-eyed right now. One on, one you guys eye are on like the... 15 seconds ahead of me, I think. You know what's funny is I, I feel as though Tyus in this series has had a handful of like pretty big shots that he's missed all of them. And so one thing I can say about the series, it's made me feel a little vindicated on having him not be on the Timberwolves. Like I remember... Just there, even he had a wide open look for three to put the team up. Misses. I remember in Minneapolis late in the game, yep. he had an open look for a three. Misses, and you're just kind of like, yeah. not I, our guy anymore. I literally said that to somebody. So bad. Yeah. I was like, wow, that looks familiar. Ty is getting those old shadows back at Target Center. Seriously, but <clears throat> yeah, I th- I will say like one thing, similar to Ike's point, but a little different. Like one thing, it's just like fun to be locked into the NBA postseason. Like that's it's just a fun experience that we really haven't had the opportunity to do in a while, and to be in a two-two series against you know a fun a fun Memphis team, honestly, like they're just fun games to watch. So like that's been quite a treat, and that may be the most Minnesota sports fan thing of all time to just be like, hey, happy to get an invite to the party. Don't have to be the main guest. This is this is like this is the second reason of two good reasons why winning the first play in game was so important and why everybody did cheer as hard as they did. First reason is that if you lost that, you have to play the Pelicans. And as we've seen, the Pelicans are like much better team than their record had shown. And it was a really bad matchup for the Timberwolves to just start. So they may not even made the playoffs Two is winning the play in game meant we were going to play Memphis and everybody thought it was going to be a fun series. And it's been exactly that. Yeah. found a new way to watch basketball that I very much enjoyed. I watched game three in a sports bar. First of all, whoever decided to start an NBA game at 10 Eastern time should be fired at NBA headquarters. True. But I watched it in a bar where they didn't have the TV audio on. So I was watching it all silent. And I feel like I got to form all of my own opinions on everything. Like going after the game, I didn't know where people pissed about the refereeing. How did they think people played? I don't know. I was just forming my own opinions on everything. Felt it felt like I was the only person in the stadium, and I loved it. <laughs> Were there any stories of like the guy mansplaining the game to his girlfriend again? Or there was a Bucks fan there who was 
being very patronizing to me. Like, oh, I used to be in the same position before the Bucks won a championship. Yeah, before we got a championship. I I know how stressed you must feel right now. Like, dude, go away. Go home. It's one one thirty. You don't need to be here watching the (laughs) Memphis Grizzlies play the Minnesota Timberwolves. Just go away. Well, with that, should we wrap it up? Last thing, just last thing. I two two pieces. One, I'm impressed with John Morant's will, like ability to just like keep going because I thought after the first game he was going to be injured like fast into the series. The guy goes nuts just at the hoop like relentlessly and falls hard as heck. Uh, and two is if any Memphis person complains about the refereeing in this series, I will punch them in the throat because John Morant has barely shot the basketball the entire series. He gets every call he wants and uh so if you're if you're complaining about that again throat punch inbound we're gonna lose yep did you see that delo possession that's what i'm talking about like what the fuck was that like run offense do something and cat has been very well he just dribbled off his foot that was tough to see those were big feet though We're going to lose the benefit of the doubt. Um, to it's going to be a tough home, loss. Maybe we'll just go live action here to end the show and see how that goes. But um, Wolves down three, 8.2 seconds to go. Uh, potential heartbreak ensuing or potentially really excitement before we go into OT here. Kind of a fourth quarter collapse again from the Timberwolves doing exactly what we talked about where they just stop running their offense. They're being outscored by 13 points here in the fourth quarter. You can't do that. You just can't keep doing that. Like, it, if it's like, it just seemed like it should have been corrected a long time ago as a team. You know what they need? Just, the, what, Lou? A little bit of fourth quarter four. Show up when it's game time, baby. <laughs> you know the most obscure Timberwolves references. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I, do you I, put I, any of this I, on, uh, on Chris Finch? I know he got a lot of heat in game three for not calling a timeout on like a 20. One run, run for the Grizzlies. Yeah. Do, do you put any of this on him, these fourth quarter collapses? I kind of, I feel like you have to, right? Like, I, I'm a Chris Finch guy. I'm super glad they extended him. I'm been thrilled with the hire. Like, he's just been amazing. Uh, it is, I feel confident having him be our coach going forward, but just the continual lack of composure from these guys on the court, just, it is a little bit worrisome when they just like, because again, it's just, it's been an issue all year. Like you've had a long time to try to figure this out and like find a way to correct it. We make a three. Hold on, hold on. No, I'm, I'm, I'm behind. behind Damn it. I'm, they haven't even given him the inbound yet. Yeah, we're inbounding now. McLaughlin, Cat, McLaughlin drives, kicks, this is great. corner, three buckets, 3.7 seconds left. Wolves are tied. Edwards. Mm-hmm. Oh, did I say? Who, who, wait, was it Ant? Was it? Yeah, you yeah. called that beautifully. That was okay. That yeah, was. I'll beautiful. get you at the replay here. All right, let's clip that. Maybe send it to some Connor audition. The cat back. Corey's not getting it the job. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. <laughs> oh man! Oh man! Wow! But okay. Back to Finch. I, I, yeah. I think I, I do agree. He needs to take a little heat, and I mean, it's, it's like a, it's. Like you have a really good rookie player who's really good all season long and they get in the playoffs and the lights are on bright and they get a little bit of stage fright and don't perform quite as well. I think that totally applies in in the coaching situation too. Like so many adjustments need to be made. And when other coaches are scheming for your schemes, only for your schemes and to shut all of your plays down, like there is an adjustment period. So I, I think this is not totally a red flag. I think it's just part of the learning no, process for yeah, a new coach. For sure. And I just think that's another reason why it was so like magnificent in a way that we've had a good year and we're able to make the playoffs and have been in like a long series. It just gives everybody that opportunity to grow and learn and like get better for the next time around. I'm not saying we're going to lose this series. We're not going to do more things. Like I still believe in this team, but we've already done en- like enough to have this be a successful year. And I just feel like those those growing opportunities that we're seeing right now. They're ob- like, if you trust Chris Finch, you'll trust that he's going to learn from this experience. And you trust that he'll be able to find things for other guys that they should learn and they'll find them for themselves. And like, that's all, that's 
that's the growth that we have been missing out on for such a long time as Timberwolves fans. Like you don't really learn what it is to be successful in the NBA until you've been in the playoffs. And so then maybe that Bucks guy was right, Dalton. Maybe the Bucks guy oh. was right. <laughs> oh no. John Morant drives to the hole layup. Oh, what a oh, heartbreaker. No. Oh, no. Oh, no. Well, the one thing I will say, silver lining is that, like, a, a, another great game, a game that the Wolves are in. The frustrating part to me is we talked about it is like, I think we led the entire second half until like the, th- the two minute mark, like from tip through the whole thing. I think we led or were tied the entire second half. It's like at some point we got to close these out, you know? <clears throat> Agreed. That hurts. Wolves, wolves in seven. <clears throat> what a great wolves in seven, ending, folks. Oh, series that was of good what finish. If. That was a good. I need finish. to rewatch that play. Like, how is he so open? Ant went for the steal there. I think he was late getting through a screen. Ooh. Well, <clears throat> I think that does it for this episode of the Mini Market Podcast. Ending on a little bit of a sour note. Thursday mock drafts no longer mocks becoming real, and the pups look to even the series three three at the crib. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to subscribe, like, comment, share, all that good stuff. Until next time, go Wolves. I'll never get those 20 minutes back in my life.